When you're an entrepreneur with a great idea, it can be daunting to find funding. Startup Raven takes the process out of your hands by helping entrepreneurs connect and learn about potential investors all in one place. Without any long-filled forms or thousand questions, Sign up for early access at StartupRaven.com. Welcome to StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast, YouTube blog, newsletter and internet radio station on tech entrepreneurship, covering mostly the GSA market, except for our internet radio station where we have everything for tech entrepreneurship. Today, we do the recording first time that we know we cracked Chartable's global top 100 technology podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners who made this possible. Since a lot of listeners have started listening to StartupRate.io since last year, September, I want to introduce our guest again, but first, welcome in. Hey, Kimo, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, you have been a guest in the past. We published interview end of September 2022, and that was the first episode, and as people can deduce, this is the second episode of our series, um, Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC, Opportunities for Fintech Entrepreneurs. But first, we want to go a little bit into the Fintech, into you, then the development of CBDCs since. Then we want to talk about opportunities for fintech entrepreneurs. You've seen a few that actually no one does yet. And then we will close out with a few more links since your company, FNA, Financial Network Analytics, does a lot of work, a lot of publication and also a broadcast. And there is a broadcast on central bank digital currency as of now, as of today, end of June with 18 episodes and there'll be more to come. Great. So, um, Kimo, I remember you're an economist and you've been an economist and or a researcher for many central banks. I've seen in your LinkedIn CV, which is also, by the way, linked down here in the show notes on our Medium blog. You worked for the Federal Reserve for the Bank of England and the European Central Bank. I don't think there are uh, more bigger central banks out there. Your company also provided research that was used by U.S. Congress in the Lehman Brothers hearings. And you founded the company advising financial institutions, including but not limited to central banks, called FNI, Financial Network Analytics, where you do a lot of network analytics and also a lot of agent-based modeling. As I said, I'll link the publication from September 2022 down here um very important for me would be the update there has been a lot going on in central bank digital currency since i actually read a few weeks ago even an article in mainstream media about central bank digital currency where people can have a wallet on their cell phones it, it was something the author was going totally crazy about, even though we talked about it um, 
almost a year ago. Well, we tried to be ahead of the curve. Can you give us a little update on CBDC for everybody who's not familiar with it yet? It's basically a central bank issued currency on the blockchain. So it's currency tokens, which are equal or almost equal to currency. Sorry, the field is your skimmo. <laughs> thanks, and it's great, great to be here again. Uh, so real pleasure. Uh, and thanks for the introduction. So um, yeah, so like uh, like you said, we work a lot lot around uh, financial networks and um, around the simulation and providing a technology for for not only central banks today, but also to uh, financial market infrastructures and uh, and large global banks to. Uh, to make the financial system safer and more efficient, uh, which is our, our mission. Uh, but, uh, but we do a lot of advice as well uh, because uh, of uh, very specific subject matter expertise that uh, we've been building over the years. Um, so an update on the CBDC. So I think when we last time spoke, I think maybe the top uh, conversations was around, um, around um, retail CBDC. Uh, so uh, mm -hmm. central bank digital currency, like you said, being a, being something that is uh, issued by the central bank, um, like banknotes, but in a, in a digital digital mm -hmm. form, and um, and I think since then maybe a big three sort of main developments. The first one is that uh, uh, it's not necessarily on blockchain anymore. Uh, it could also be uh, other type of uh, cryptographic uh, um, uh, methods. Uh, it could be tokens that are on a chip card. Um, so so it's not necessarily that. Uh, and it's not actually likely that uh, many of the schemes, the central bank digital currency schemes that will be um, launched uh, will be on blockchain. Uh, so other technologies could also be used. Um, I think the second uh, second is that um, the conversation has, uh, maybe last time there wasn't so much conversation around, let's say, tokenization of bank deposits or how a central bank digital currency could be used for um, for uh, between banks instead of uh, between individuals, uh, but I think uh, since then um, that conversation has really picked up, and the uh, the Bank for International International Settlements uh, Innovation Hubs have set up a lot of um, uh, projects and pilots uh, to um, to think about how that would look like in a domestic uh, sense, but also in a cross border sense. Uh, um, different different schemes uh, that are that are looking into that, and then maybe the um, the third piece would be that uh, we've had a few uh, CBDCs uh, being launched, and we now have a little bit more experience uh, looking at uh, how did they do, uh, and uh, we've actually seen that they haven't gotten a lot of adoption. Uh, so, for example, the Chinese CBDC or or others. Uh, so, uh, even if there was a little bit of excitement in the beginning, they haven't become become very uh, widespread uh, instruments uh, used by the public to. Uh, to, to make payments, so I think the conversation has also then switched switched a little bit to the like what are the uh, particular use cases uh, uh, that the CBDC should uh, serve, uh, and uh, what are the uh, mechanisms that um, a central bank, when issuing a CBDC, would uh, be able to encourage uh, or incentivize um, adoption for for those to become more successful uh, than than the schemes that. Uh, that we've seen seen so far. Sorry, I, I've muted myself because I was typing like crazy here. Um, it, it, I I thought I caught your three main ideas. Let let me quickly um, 
play them back to you in order to be sure that I and our audience have understood them because basically you wrap up almost a year with three topics and it, it, you should be sure that you get them right. CBDC does not have to be in blockchain anymore. Uh, other cryptographic means can be used, which means the start was doing a cryptocurrency kind of Bitcoin for central banks. And now they're moving away from there. Um, can you give us a, a little bit of background, a few reasons, maybe speed, maybe security? Yeah, I think this, the, the reasons are varied. And if, if you think about like why did the whole conversation on CBDC start, it was really the, uh, the, um, the crypto um, um, showing that A, it would be technologically possible to run a payment system on a sort of a distributed ledger, which was, I think, very interesting. When I was working at the central banks before, um, let's say 20 years ago, we always thought that uh, it would not be possible to um, uh, set up a CBDC uh, because there would be a, the risk of a single point of failure. Uh, what if um, like uh, the system breaks down and uh, and then uh, the whole currency is compromised because like of some cyber attack or other types of uh, of um, ways to compromise the system? Um, uh, but the crypto showed that hey, actually you can run this in a distributed multi multi-asset uh, uh, international environment uh, relatively smoothly. Uh, so I think that was an enabler for the conversation. And then the other piece was the perhaps the threat that uh, maybe if central banks do not uh, bring up their own digital currencies, um, the, uh, the private currencies would start to circulate and then we would get into an environment that we had like uh, 150 years ago where we had a lot of private currencies circulating and it was very difficult and uh, it was... Uh, it was um, very confusing for the consumers, and it was very uh, uh, like difficult for merchants to put prices on on goods, and uh, there was a uh, difficult to run monetary policy and so forth. Uh, so the central banks saw that as a risk. Um, yeah, can we just try to give the people a little bit of background there? Because in the past, um, currency was just basically a, a very early on a letter that you have deposit. I don't know, a, a, a few bars of gold at um, the bankier of XYZ in Geneva. And then you went with this letter to another bank and they could basically pay you out a little bit of that. And that was the beginning. Then at one point, banks issued kind of their own currencies, not not supervised. Basically, it was, um, it was uh, the beginning of paper money there in the Western countries. China did it way before us. And um, at one point, the banks managed the currency of certain of certain countries, I do believe. Um, in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong dollar, for example, there are still um, commercial banks pretty, pretty deeply involved in getting this circulated and keeping the system stable, right? Yeah, in Hong Kong, the uh, banknotes are still printed by the uh, by the Hong Kong banks, uh, HSBC, Standard Chartered. Uh, but I think they put uh, money to the central bank to back those uh, those uh, um, those uh, issuance of those banknotes. But yeah, it's it's a very complex uh, thing. So um, and um, and you get into very deep philosophical questions about uh, money uh, very quickly. <laughs> but uh, maybe the, to, to sum it up, uh, there was a concern that uh, it would not be good for the society uh, if, uh, if um, you know, like the uh, current uh, system of, uh, of central bank money would uh, lose its uh, standing. So that's one driver. In many countries, the driver has, of course, also been like in the euro system is the, uh, 
is the uh, or in China the um, sovereign control of money. Uh, so if you think of uh, emperors, they always wanted to put their uh, heads on the coins. Uh, so like that's been mm-hmm. a a goal of the government uh, or an objective for a long time uh, to have uh, control of the monetary system. So uh, so uh, those were the drivers for the central bank digital currencies. And then there was a technology for it uh, uh, available in uh, DLT. But like as, as we've sort of been progressing, we found out that hey, there are also other technologies that, that could be applied. Maybe even like you could open up bank accounts uh, for all individuals at the central bank. That would be one way of providing a and uh, retail payment method and cards, you know, like so. There's lots, of, lots of ways that the central bank could uh, could offer directly a means of payment. I think it is mostly the uh, the discussion here to the uh, to the public uh, to keep the uh, payment systems under control and uh, uh, not be threatened by foreign countries' uh, actions. So I think that's the mm-hmm. that's the bottom line there. Um. Also, you talked about the conversation has shifted to tokenization for bank bank posits and interbank lending, which basically means that you have a utility token which is worth I don't know one million in Citibank of New York, which which is a big by the way a big hub um, in currency trading. So you have like one million there on an account, and you can tokenize this and then work with it in a digital way. Yeah, and I think those are quite often like I think the ideas around distributed ledger uh, because in the international environment you maybe can't find a trusted relay, trusted single party to keep the ledger, uh, so you wanna have a, then distributed ledger and be sure that uh, all the ledger movements are are correct there. Uh, but yeah, so and then the question is like, what does that help? Um, like currently. Um, um, movements of money are done mostly by correspondent banking networks. Those can get very complicated and costly. Uh, so I think there's been the the idea that hey, can we simplify this by by having a coin circulate or other types of uh, methods to uh, to move money cross border? But then also domestically, um, does it need to like what kind of new features could be built into uh, into the um, payment system? For example, at the Bank of England, which is uh, not considering a wholesale CBDC, but they're building um, they're going to be building uh, APIs to the uh, to the RTGS system, the real time gross settlement system used by the uh, by the banks uh, chaps here, uh, so that you could synchronize better, for example, um, uh, movements of. Uh, with the land registry or other types of registries. Uh, so you could do delivery versus payment. So you don't have to put the money into escrow when you buy an apartment or a house, uh, but you could uh, directly um, synchronize that the title moves at the same time as the money moves uh, uh, in, in the payment system or other types of uh, like uh, new opportunities for for um, uh, making the uh, the world a simpler and more efficient place. And I think one of the, uh, the items that we wanted to discuss, what kind of opportunities there are for uh, like uh, entrepreneurs. And, and I think these uh, new use cases and thinking about new use cases of programmable money, for example, is uh, is definitely something that I think there will be loads of different um, opportunities for, for companies to um, start to provide uh, new ideas, new services uh, uh, to people. Mm-hmm. Programmable money, you, you may not be able to see it in the background, but there was a, uh, experiment after the, I do believe, um, in Germany last century. And, um, it was called Schwundgeld. So basically, um, you have a few methods how you get more 
the economy kickstarter one of them is just pumping more money that is what central banks have been doing for the past and the other one is to increase the velocity so that means you could theoretically and not not saying any central bank is planning that but theoretically you could um get a central bank currency that is losing money when you don't spend it that is losing value for example you get a 100 euro um token on there and if you don't spend it in one month it will be 99 if you don't spend it in two months it will be 98 and stuff like that is then possible yeah definitely like those type of ideas the other ones are purpose-bound money uh, so that you can use the money only for certain purposes uh, maybe only for a certain period of time Um, i think those ideas are i think uh, uh, quite advanced in Singapore, they're thinking a lot about the purpose-bound money as being the gateway, in a way, to a central bank digital currency. Um, mm-hmm. um, or uh, I think there's a lot of thinking around uh, how uh, foreign aid uh, or uh, aid in catastrophe areas could be uh, done better with uh, with money that is uh, has better traceability and better mm-hmm. like uh, restrictions on what it can be used for, so that uh, maybe we can. Uh, cut up uh, corruption or like uh, some of the problems that uh, uh, many of these uh, aid programs to very troubled areas have ha- areas have had in, in the past. Um, so lots of different uh, ideas, but also like in, in normal circumstances, what kind of um, uh, things that we can make uh, uh, life simpler for uh, for uh, for um, for consumers. Uh, a lot of people always talk about Uberification of things. So you know, like uh, in the taxi, we used to have to make the payment right, uh, and the taxi gives us change, and it takes time, and maybe they don't have the change, and uh, and uh, and so forth. Uh, and the Uber, in a way, took that away by by had the payment happening in the background uh, on the platform, uh, you know, like uh, dependent on the, uh, you know, like services being delivered. So no one had to, you as a consumer don't have to care about that. I think there are loads of other opportunities uh, to tie payments to the delivery of goods so that everything's happened automatically in the, in the background and you don't have to have to um, think about it. Mm-hmm. That could also be the case. For example, you pay out international aid money and make sure it cannot be used for guns or alcohol or stuff like this. You could pay out um, social security checks bigger than they are now, and you could also only use yeah. it for rent, um, food, and clothing, for example. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or you you could even um, theoretically you can have an open account um, for children of social security receivers, and they could go then and buy everything for uh, the next school year. Yeah, exactly. I think sort of the imagination is uh, the uh, <laughs> the constraint here. <laughs> uh, but, I uh, see, see. But, uh, but I, and, I, and I really think that uh, when, we, when we talk about CBDC, that, that we won't see like uh, the current habits perhaps change so much uh, immediately. Uh, so it will not replace necessarily um, how I pay by cards today or debit cards or, uh, or, or other existing means of payments, Apple Pay or Google, Google Pay. Um, I, I don't use a lot of cash anymore, so that's already been replaced by electronic means of payments, but maybe some people do. And I think especially in Germany, people still use large amounts of cash, so maybe the CBDC uh, would, um, would um, replace cash, which is the intention in many countries because the cash circulation is very expensive. If you're a island state and uh, consisting of thousands of little islands, you have to ship the money to the right place all the time. It's very expensive. So that's why we've seen many of um, like the CBDC schemes uh, kick off first at uh, at places where the uh, 
the, the provision of the cash is very expensive in the economy. Um, Imo, should I tell you something? I've made an experiment this year. Um, so far, we, we are through half of the year. I uh, got 500 euros cash in January, January 1st, and I still have some cash left because <laughs> I do pay a lot with my uh, cell phone. But yeah. I have to admit, I'm using... Sorry, not sponsored by, but I use Google Pay and not all the banks, especially the okay. bank where I have my main account is not necessarily working with them. So theoretically, it's possible to have an almost cashless life. For example, oh, yeah. I don't even pay groceries. Just if you go to the bakery doing very small stuff, for example, there's a booth here where you can buy asparagus, where you can yeah. buy strawberries and stuff like that. There, it is not possible to pay electronically, but yeah. almost everywhere else you can pay non-cash christmas markets also not possible to pay um in electronic form so far but it is getting way way better over here um despite all the advantages of cbdc's um you've you've said for example china they've been very early um they launched their cbdc but there is not a lot of a adaptation yet um can, can you tell us a little bit what has been learned so far about cbdc's because i do believe if you don't have like a big utility a big use case for the people there is actually for somebody who is using apple pay google pay alipay and so on and so forth it makes sense for them but for the people who had never used it there's i would say almost no incentive to pay like that yeah exactly so that's why i also said that i think many of the um you know like a use cases will, will need to be some new um new ways of paying new new transactions that didn't take place before uh, new opportunities uh, taking advantage of the programmability or the digital nature of it so you can tie it to different other transactions better um i think during covid there was an idea that um that especially like uh, in uh, in countries where you have a lot of unbanked people that didn't have access to um, digital means of payment, that uh, that the CBDC would uh, would be something that um, then helps with this um, financial inclusion uh, and uh, helps people who who are in their homes, you know, like uh, reliant on uh, good del delivery services but don't have a card, uh, need to pay cash uh, on delivery, uh, would um, would then. Uh, benefit from a CBDC, but uh, what happened in between was that uh, they built uh, normal uh, QR payment-based uh, 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 payment systems very quickly there. And um, and um, mm -hmm. even in um, in uh, most countries in Southeast Asia, you, know, like you don't need uh, need cash anymore. Uh, so um, so that sort of like uh, happened already without CBDCs. But I think uh, CBDCs will, will need to, new entrepreneurs uh, need to think of new use cases uh, uh, that will then over time, I think, become important as they as they grow. Um, the uh, I think from a user perspective, I think it's very important. That it's very easy. <laughs> now we are at the important part where we actually talk about the central bank digital currency use cases. And uh, as we've already discussed because I'm sorry, I've been drawing out this conversation quite a little bit for over 20 minutes because what I want to hammer down, hammer home is the point that there may or may not be central bank digital currencies. They may or may not be on a blockchain, but the only, but you need to have reasons to actually use this. And that's why we're talking here today. 
Indeed, yeah. So, and um, I think that's where a lot of uh, fintech entrepreneurs can come in and uh, suggest new ways of um, rethinking how we buy things, uh, how how uh, different services are being delivered, um, and uh, how the payment for those services uh, are are delivered. And um, and um, yeah, I think we already covered a couple of other use cases around uh, around the purpose bond men money, the foreign aid. Uh, and uh, really, the imagination is the is the limit uh, on, on these uh, different use cases. In Australia, there was a, a exercise by the digital finance uh, uh, CRC um, to um, to do, and together with the um, Reserve Bank of Australia to uh, to uh, solicit different use cases and uh, pilot those use cases on a, on a CBDC. And I think those types of uh, exercises we need we need much more and uh, call on the innovators uh, to. Uh, to start thinking about uh, how does the money of the future look like. Uh. Mm -hmm. When you've been talking, I was uh, I was writing it down, and um, I also thought I just read a few days ago that uh, billions of uh, COVID relief money have been stranded somewhere in dark channels, um, have disappeared even in the US. And I thought that would be quite a good case. But we've we've seen the purpose bond money. We've seen financial aid or assistances, uh, disaster relief, um, any purpose bound payment from government, e even from companies could be used there. Um, are there other options you see for fintech entrepreneurs maybe that even nobody is doing it yeah i think the purpose bond money very quickly then becomes something like loyalty points as well and uh, so you get into that whole world of uh, air miles uh, uh different incentive programs uh, that could be running in a way on the same same system but then perhaps it's not a central bank digital currency anymore and it's uh, more using the uh, sort of uh, same technology for for different types of uh Non-central bank uh, uh, claims uh, or, or 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 schemes, uh, but I think in the central bank case, you know, like I think uh, directing some of these um, uh, payments by the government would be an easy way to uh, to uh, increase adoption. The problem with the current schemes is if they've even incentivized you to sign up to the CBDC, maybe saying that hey, you get ten dollars uh, or uh, or something if you if you decided to create an account and then you use that ten dollars and then you forget about it. <laughs> Uh, so, so you really need to have some, uh, some, uh, in a way, some payments. Like the, the way with your, why do you use cards on your bank account? It's because you get your salary or other payments into your bank account, and you always get replenished. And you use the same instrument to, uh, to, uh, to use the funds that you get there. You know, if, if if the CBDC was something that you always have to load, then it becomes like cash, and we're getting away from cash because it's inconvenient to go into the ATM to withdraw it, right? So then it needs to be really simple for the users to be able to um to uh to use it uh, without having to have these uh, complicated uh, mechanisms to top up your wallets and uh, and um and even then it doesn't necessarily people are very habit uh, um driven so it doesn't necessarily change your habits how you make payments today so therefore i think uh, the main main um, uh, adoption route is through uh, through new use cases uh, and uh, understanding, learning back from when you're launching it, uh, where do you get adoption and why did adoption takes place? Uh, and then enforcing those routes uh, into adoption. So it's, it's also a, a data analytics exercise uh, of, uh, of uh, simulating, modeling, 
why would a uh, a consumer uh, choose one of these uh, payment instruments uh, at the point of sale? Why why would they, he or she choose uh, a central bank digital currency over over cards? So, and I think a lot of these things. So we started the uh, conversation around uh, around network analytics and simulation. Uh, so I believe a lot of the adoption uh, will be helped by doing analysis of network analysis, understanding who is paying where. Uh, what kind of clusters do we find? Uh, Facebook started with one university, a very tight cluster, and then ex- expanded to another university, then between those universities. So how do we find those adoption paths? Uh, so network analysis of the actual payment networks in the real economy and then being able to simulate uh, uh, ground up, why would a consumer choose a certain payment? Um, I think those are the the, um, the mm-hmm. sort of analytical ways to uh, to think about um, how do we create a success story out of a CBDC uh, and um, it get, uh, gets adoption from, from consumers. When you've been talking, I, w- uh, I instantly had in mind there's an international coffee chain with a green logo that already provides you uh, with the ability to scan, to pay with their app, with the points. And I do believe you can then uh, load CBDC money or any money basically you would not need cbdc on there um you get five ten percent more than what you originally paid in and they already have the cash deposit there i also can imagine this uh doing with some retailers for example there's one here in germany with a red logo um that is already going away from the loyalty programs that you have here in Germany and um, starting to do everything in their own app. And that would be also an ecosystem in which this could work. But what I've not seen yet is incentives to have something outside of a one economy system. I do believe a lot of um, companies tried their, uh, tried with some kind of token, um, their own digital currencies. And I have not seen a lot of adoption. I I think even an international retailer from Seattle tried with their own currency points, whatever. Um, and even that did not work. Do you also have some ideas in mind, some, some potential business ideas, uh, what people could do, but are not doing yet? So we uh, work mostly in, in the um, in the interbank space um, uh, together with uh, with the banks. So most of my ideas <laughs> are, are related to, to there, and uh, also something that we work together on um, um, with with our clients. Uh, um, and I think, the, but if I, if I phrase it a little bit differently, what are the big uh, big, big questions that are there today? Uh, sort of like problems that need solving. Uh, on the CBDC, it's adoption. Uh, how do we? Uh, how does a CBDC system gets used by the users? What are the use cases? And those we discussed already. I think the two other big problems that we today have is uh, the other is around liquidity, um, and you um, know it's the working capital within the uh, economy. You talked about the velocity of money, uh, so the working capital can go less if the velocity gets higher. So I think we need to get the velocity higher because we are now again. Uh, first time since 20 years and uh, and uh, most people's uh, whole working careers uh, we are in an environment with positive interest rates uh, and that changes a lot of things and i don't think we've sort of figured out all the things that it changes uh, but those things are coming to us very quickly and one of them is that uh, you know like we don't have free money anymore uh, money costs now 
Uh, we see the uh, the apartment prices going down in many places, uh, banks getting more and corporates getting more uh, conscious about the liquidity buffers that they have. So liquidity optimization across the whole chain, across corporates, across uh, across banks, across uh, uh, different economies, I think uh, is going to be more important and will provide a lot of opportunities for, for a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, I think the other one is... When you've been uh, talking about moving money along the chain what instantly came to mind the supply chains yes supply chains that's the other piece uh, i see it immediately after covid hit and i started to look at uh, what is uh, being written in the news um uh, i i said that supply chains are going to be the next big thing um, there's going to be similar legislation uh, after covid uh, like we had after the financial crisis of 2008 9 um to be able to get more visibility into the supply chains and uh, to be able to um, uh, analyze and uh, and uh, model and uh, and uh, help supply chains get less disrupted. Uh, they're still disrupted, the supply chains. Uh, here in the UK, the supermarkets are still empty <laughs> because of supply chain problems. Uh, uh, and the third third piece is, uh, is uh, financial crime. Um, with all these new payment uh, methods, uh, money being able to, when you can move money easier and faster, it means that uh, criminals can also launder money easier and faster. And when everything is digital, they can, they can, and people are un, unused to digital new methods. Uh, it means that they become easy targets for, for fraudsters to uh, um, steal money from them. Uh, and I think that is becoming a, a visible large problem in the countries that uh, were first in uh, to launch these, uh, let's say, faster payment systems uh, and uh, instant payment systems uh, uh, for retail consumers. Um, so they're uh, becoming uh, fraud is becoming a large problem in those. Uh, so better methods uh, to detect fraud, uh, stop fraud, uh, better better ways of uh, do that collectively on the network level and not only on an individual bank level. Uh, I think those are. Those are important and areas where there's a lot of uh, opportunities uh, to solve the real problems. Yeah, I also do believe when you've been talking about um, fraud, what also came to mind is anti-money laundry. Basically, if you do have a, um, whatever um, a bucket full of cash from some kind of drug deal, you either have to use the cash all by yourself, but at one point, if you're successful enough, um, just depositing it in one of the rooms in your apartment is not enough. Also, if you're really criminal, you should be afraid of the police and raiding your apartment. So you have to get it into some kind of legal business. And that is the money laundry that you could also theoretically fight with that as well as terrorism financing. Um, I would also say there are some opportunities here but only from people who really understand the business because i do believe that is very difficult to do this properly yeah so and in, in, in especially in the cbdc or faster payment systems where you can move money quickly around uh between people between corporations um what happens is that uh, there's a lot of account fraud taking place or like uh, fraudulently sourced payments so for example like i would uh, fraud you some money uh, move on to my account or actually not my account but like an account that i control but then because in the in the faster payment system i can move it a uh, hundred times during the day across different accounts so i can very quickly uh, in a way uh, mask the uh, 
where the money then goes out of the system into cash or crypto, uh, and but through this uh, circulation of the money across these several mule accounts, uh, I can um, I can uh, lose everyone uh, who is not algorithmically tracking it <laughs> uh, to uh, to um, avoid uh, being caught. Um, so it creates new opportunities all these faster payment systems for for criminals that are quite often very quick to. Uh, Grasp on the opportunities, same the same like um, fintech uh, innovators should be in <laughs> creating new use cases for the uh, new platforms and technologies that become available. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to smile here. We talk about fintech opportunities, and uh, what uh, what my guest says is, yeah, usually the scammers are the first and the fastest yeah. one to adopt here. <laughs> the new technologies, yes. But I do understand it, right? So we we have a lot of. Um, areas differently first um you can do purpose-bound money you can do um better tracking um and you could also um or have to change the behavior at the point of sale the point of usage of the money um and that it'll be uh, where entrepreneurs can really come up with great ideas also all the um criminal investigation area on anti-money laundry terrorism financing of defrauding of aid programs scamming and so on and so forth that is also an area where um fintech entrepreneurs can do a lot of business have you already seen somebody doing that yeah definitely i think uh so if you uh so I was just two weeks ago in Money 2020. Uh, so it's pretty much, uh, it's uh, how many? 7,000 people, 8,000 people, uh, all around payments or around fintech. Uh, so those type of things we didn't have 10 years ago. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it was just it was a sleepy business, the payments business. But uh, but now pretty much fintech has become to mean mostly that it's about payments. It's around uh, making faster, cheaper payments, payments. Um, Every economic activity that we have is uh, associated with a with a payment. Uh, so it's a huge uh, infrastructure uh, area. The same way, like uh, anything that we purchase has some energy embedded into it. So energy is a big business, uh, but uh, so is the payments. Everything that we buy is, has also some kind of a payment embedded to it, and the payment costs money. Uh, so so therefore, you know, like these are huge. Uh, huge uh, industries with a lot of uh, different um, um, uh, opportunities and uh, and um, uh, parts that you can play play in um, a lot of innovation mm -hmm. can take place would also came to mind when you've been talking about that because uh, since our last conversation i was talking to a lot of companies working in or around the second-hand market especially for fashion and i could see uh, some large retailers um when you pay money, they also uh, give you some money back. When you hand it in uh, for second hand, um, that would be also something mm, you could do yeah, there, for yeah. which you don't yeah. necessarily need central bank digital currency, but that is also something that could be easier with CBDCs. Yeah, exactly. Um, to um, sort of like the uh, upcycling and uh, the... Uh, the circular economy. Uh, so, how can money help in the circular economy and uh, make it more smooth? Interesting thoughts here. Uh, we don't have hammered out um, um, fintech business cases as of now yet, but I'm very sure um, 
and latest in the next few interviews. We will uh, have something to tell you, and I do believe you will be back sooner than a year. <laughs> Hope so. It would be a pleasure to have you back. For now, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for your time, Kimo. We were running way longer than the usual interviews. Maybe we need to split this in two, but nonetheless, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Likewise, son. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.